Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, and today we are joined by Jason Buford, an incredible writer for GQ, Rolling Stone, and SB Nation. He recently penned a piece titled Why Tom Thibodeau is the Wrong Coach for the New York Knicks. Alex, we'll get into that and so much more with him. Yeah, we're going to talk about Tibbs. Uh, ironically enough, what we like about Tibbs to start the show, then talk about some of the flaws of his coaching process, talk about whether getting some more you know, strong-minded assistants, uh, some hand-picked assistants back to replace Mike Woodson and Kenny Payne might help Tom Thibodeau and then finish off with Jason's plan for the Knicks offseason and how he would go about addressing their needs uh, this coming summer. All that's coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's out. Anthony for three. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. If you weren't caught up, now you are. We are available on all platforms, including on YouTube. So if you want to see our smiling, sometimes excitable faces, uh, tune in there. Throw us a subscription. I promise it's a whole lot of fun on YouTube. We got uh, a ton of great comments of late. We really appreciate everyone who does that. Please, please guys, keep that up. Uh, we'll interact with you guys in the comments. It's, it's a whole lot of fun. Uh but who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster, uh, currently covering uh, high school across for varsity for the Varsity Media Sports Network. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland. You can find on Twitter and other social media at the Strick.land, uh, the best Knicks website out there. And uh, let's get into it with Jason. Without further ado, talking uh, why Tom Thibodeau does some good stuff, but ultimately isn't the right coach for the New York Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. And as promised, we are joined by Jason Buford. He is a writer at a whole lot of places, including Rolling Rolling Stone, GQ, Vice, and most importantly for our purposes today, SB Nation. A fantastic article making the case on why Tom Thibodeau is not the right man to coach the New York Knicks. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that's the sentiment. We are very much on board with Jason Clearly a Knicks fan. Uh, what? Who's whose jersey is that? Anthony Mason. Oh, good one. Um, and uh, I again love the piece. Uh, so I'm going to start off with kind of a counterintuitive question, given the piece, uh, just because I think this is the world we're going to be living in. What do you like about Tom Thibodeau as a coach? Two things in particular. Every single time the Knicks are playing a game, they are ready to go. They have a strategy. They have uh, defensive systems in place. They have offense system in place. They pretty much know the other team's um, strengths and weaknesses. They're they're ready to go, right? He gets players ready to go. There's no one who prepares more than Tom Thibodeau, like straight up. He is a really legitimate hard worker. You could tell that from last year. You could still tell that from this year, even though they struggled. You know what I mean? Like, they never struggled because they showed up and – 
they didn't know what the opposing team's tendencies were, and they just didn't they they weren't ready to play. Like they were ready to play, just they weren't really that good. So that's the first thing. The second thing is he clearly has instilled a worth ethic amongst the young players and amongst the team in general that has not always been there with other coaches. I mean, the players are there in the gym 24-7, RJ, Quickly, OB, those guys, they're animals. Grimes, they're, they're, they're just like Tibbs. Literally, they're just like Tibbs. And now you could say that's Leon, you know, drafting well and drafting the right guys, but I, I'll give that credit to Tibbs, right? Like, I, Katz had a really good article, the, uh, our beat writer for the uh, athletics. Katz is great. Katz had a really good article where he said, um, and, you know, I think I think part this is partly to done as a, like, they shouldn't fire Tibbs thing, but it still was a good article. It was essentially said, it essentially said, like, we got um, players who work with Tibbs, kind of like this group that works with Tibbs during practice for, like, an hour or 45 minutes, and, you know, it's like, Tibbs is much more hands-on with the rookies than he has been in the past. And so and that that checks out. It definitely does check out. And he's, you know, been um, outspoken about how much he likes Quickly and Obi and all those guys. He thinks they're good kids. And so I do think those are the two things where it's like, clearly this is a coach who cares. He gives a shit, right? Like, you know what I mean? We've had coaches in the past – Fisdale was my biggest one. Hornacek was another yeah. one. Do you guys care? Or they're just like out here, whatever the f- You know what I mean? Like, Tibbs actually cares. You, you can tell he's like a really hard worker as a coach and like lives and dies by basketball. I'm like, yeah, you know? Um, it mag- Those strengths that he has, it magnifies all of his flaws. Like, all, like how bad his flaws are. It really does. So. Yeah, you know, if we're going to be talking about the strengths too, you know, you had mentioned this in your piece, which. I'll just plug real quick. Uh, Tom Thibodeau is the wrong coach for the Knicks as the title is on SB Nation. Mm-hmm. Came out like a little over, I guess, I guess about two weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that you had noted in there is, and, and you know, it sort of goes lockstep with what you were just saying, is that uh, Tibbs has this tendency to occasionally find really good things. Like, for example, the Quickly and Rose pairing for Quickly's mm-hmm. rookie year was amazing. You know, they, they played with energy, you know, pace, and, and Rose could penetrate, Quickly could, you know, shoot or, you know, dish the balls himself some. You know, there was just – I also, if I, if I may, they mm-hmm. really missed Rose this year. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They probably, went about, they probably went about 40 games with Rose playing this year, I think. Definitely. It's possible, you know, That's depending possible. on how well his, his body would yeah. hold up, you know, yeah, maintenance yeah. and everything. It did seem to me like they had a more of a commitment to – playing Rose like 20 to 25 minutes this year, which maybe limits yeah, – but, you know, the Tibbs would have still played him like 30, 35 minutes if that Yeah, and just – and I think it kind of would have had a, a domino reaction because we wouldn't have to have Burks out there. Yeah. You know, it, a lot of different things that I think went wrong are exasperated by Rose not being there. Yeah, for sure. So I, 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 yeah. But to, but to – like to get back to, to the, the point I was going to say, like basically – you know, Tibbs finds these good things sometimes, and it, it almost like it's almost reminiscent, like that pairing in particular, and, and like some of the success of the bench and how well they work together is almost reminiscent of like Mike Woodson stumbling into the the Carmelo at the four thing and having that turn mm-hmm. into like this huge success for the twelve thirteen Knicks. 
Yes. Uh, but then, you know, it's it's like Tibbs shows you sometimes that he's not it's certainly not inept or anything. You know, it's not like Fizdale where you you see that he is going out there with basically no plan or he finds like one somewhat yeah, it's like he'll do like just one semi decent thing and you know have it sort of work out for him. Like Fizdale had that uh that <laughs> the little like blitz defense that he figured out that worked for him for one game and then proceeded to use it on like six straight teams and just get absolutely shelled by the next five, you know. And yeah. it, it it's not like that with Tibbs. You see that he knows what he's doing at times, but then his stubbornness just gets in the way. I mean, how much more frustrating does it make the overall Tibbs experience for a year like this year when you see that he does actually have the ability to like find things sometimes, you know, like the the quick and rose pairing? Yeah, I mean, it, it makes it all the more frustrating, right? When you see someone who's clearly competent but can't move past their old mental deficiencies, right? Tibbs is competent. He's a competent head coach. He seriously is, like – you can't win. Uh, you can't win sixty games in in, in an NBA regular season without knowing what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, and yes, it is always relying on him playing his starters a lot, and it is relying on him playing hard. At, uh, um, you know, this you, you play hard in every single eighty-two game regular season. So yeah, you can say that he's an eighty-two game coach, but still, that does it does matter, right? And like, he is. He can be an exceptionally good regular season coach, but unfortunately, he is so stubborn that he is not able to make the correct. He was not able to make the correct adjustments this year, and those same adjustments I think will be in place to make next year, and that's why I think we need to change. That's why I think we we're not going to. So that's why I think we needed to change uh, our coach. All right, we'll be right back with Jason, getting into the gripes about Tibbs. Enough of this talking about what we like about him. But first, I got to remind you all that today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. All right, NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award winning app, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Prize Picks is easy to use. You pick two to five players and an over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. And you can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play if you're an Android fella like me. So PrizePix also allows mixed sport entries. And one of my favorite features because, you know, when both the Knicks and the Mets are in season, I can bet the under on Alec Burke's assists. And the over on Francisco Lindor home runs. Eat it, everybody. Francisco Lindor is good, and his contract is good, and he's amazing. And I love being a Mets fan right now. Uh, so you can make any sort of mixed sport entry that you want to. For a limited time, PrizePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. That's really easy. Really, really easy. But you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. Sign up today and use code NBA to get $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. 
Yeah, there's something to be said, right, for a guy that, I mean, usually we talk about this in terms of players, but with Tibbs, I think you can talk about in terms of a coach, a guy who maxes out his abilities and it's still not good enough. Like, there's no question that Tibbs is doing his best, I think, I think is what you're getting at, right? Like, he, 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 you trust him when he says, like, he watches the games five times. Like, he, he doesn't sleep. He, he doesn't, doesn't have a wife. Maybe, yeah. maybe he doesn't have much of a social life. Like, he, he is no, completely locked in. And it's still not enough because he doesn't he doesn't see the right thing. Like I, I saw a shout out to Jonathan Macri saw the stat today that Alec Burks was top 10 in the NBA in, in clutch time minutes this season. Emmanuel quickly the whole year was sixth on the Knicks in clutch time minutes playing 80 total. Obi Toppin played 20 total clutch time minutes this year. And, and we got this. It, it was like this painful revelation at the end of the year. right? Like, oh, like this isn't all in our heads and and it isn't just noise that like all the plus minus stats all year indicated that those guys were incredibly impactful players like they were just genuinely like turning the corner into being if not stars at the very least starters in the NBA but they never got that from Tibbs and I guess Jason this is maybe an unfair question is asking you to get into the mind of like an insane person to some extent, but I, I know in your article, you kind of attributed that to a lack of ability of, of talent evaluation. And, and to mm. me, it, it, it's that. And it's also like, it, it's this weird thing when maybe this ties into stubbornness where, and, and this is psychoanalysis that I'm probably not qualified for, but it always feels like he craves security. And there's something about the young guys where that isn't there. But then he failed to see that Alec Burks, who was statistically, I think, like the worst clutch time player in the NBA in terms of plus minus and uh, for guards was just about the worst finisher at the rim. And Julius Randle made mistake after mistake. It's like he could only see it when that happened to the younger guys. And when it happened to the older guys, it was as if it never happened. Right. Yeah, I think with the older guys, he chalks it up to it like it being a mistake. And the younger guys, he chalks it up to it being a, a random of um, referendum of like that you shouldn't play Their youth, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so unless, and so I don't think that's something that can change. I just think that's something that's been distilled in him for some reason. There's this philosophy and like, he comes from that Riley Van Gundy school where there were, they, those guys as coaches, this was, you know, right. This is in Riley's book. Um, you know, this was Vingani's huge on this. They're huge on loyalty. They're huge on their guys, right? Riley kept Starks in the game in, in game seven, and I'm dating myself here, but right, <laughs> or not really, because I wasn't even bored, but Riley uh, kept Starks in, in game seven, even though uh, Starks was bugging um, because Starks had come through in the past, right? Like, they care a lot about loyalty, right? And you saw Tibbs put in Gibson at the five sometimes instead of playing Obi and Randall together, which I thought he should have done um, earlier in the season because Tibbs cares tremendously about people who have come through for him in the past. That's like his whole thing. That's his whole culture, right? Like this Tibbs culture is based off of like leadership and like these guys have been with me and like Derek Rose has been with me. So he, so I'm going to trade for him and I need my guys and that's all good. And that, has its merits and it's clearly been successful in some ways for the Knicks. But this season he needed to spice it up in order for them to be successful. And he just could not do that. Yeah. The, the, the ill-founded spice that he did find was Alec Burks. I'm trying to think of like right. a good uh, reference, like putting, I don't know, like, like uh, 
cayenne pepper on a PB and J. Although I don't know, maybe that would kind of be good. I don't know, it's probably not good enough. But anyway, you know, he found the wrong spice for the recipe this year with, with right. Alex yeah, Burks I mean, point guard. Burks as a point guard was not good. He didn't get into the sets fast enough. He didn't mm-hmm. push the ball enough. He played with poor pace. He he's best successful as a half court scorer off the bench. Burks yeah. was in a perfect spot last year. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Half absolutely. Court, and half and, court and you know, score, you know, can mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like you wanna, you know, you wanna play to the the strengths of your players, and it seemed like you know, Tibbs recognized the strength of Burks to get into the lane, but didn't recognize that once he got in there, he was basically useless. You know, it was like uh yeah. you know, he just could he couldn't see past the the one skill that he really wanted in that Burks was like the guy that could best get downhill, which is what he likes out of that spot. Whereas quickly actually found ways to get to the rim more effectively, but just was not doing it in the way that Tibbs is accustomed to, you know, he's accustomed to lightning fast Derek Rose or like Burks has a little bit of that where he can, you know, sort of take a screen at the three point line and make his way all the way to the rim. He just has no idea what to do once he gets there. Whereas quickly kind of plods his way in there and, and pokes and prods and eventually gets in and, and then makes something happen, whether it's kicking out somebody or finishing a layup himself or shooting a floater, which really came back to him late in the season finally after it had sort of been his floater had been slumping a little bit all the way dating back to last season. Um, you know, I, I think that, that Burks, the, the whole Burks quickly thing, and it's just like the, the Peyton thing. You know, you could say the Peyton Rose thing uh, in the first year coaching the team. It just sort of underscored, I think, the biggest issue with Tibbs, which maybe is just that his biggest hangup is the point guard position. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I mean, I guess this would be another thing I I think that's important to discuss now that we're basically resigning ourselves to Tibbs being back next year, because it does seem like that's where the reporting is pointing there have certainly not been any other rumblings about him maybe getting fired or anything mm-hmm. uh, this off season since the season ended. And there was, there was a report with maybe 10 games left that he was going to stick around. Um, what do you think is like, if you had to nail down like the one biggest thing that you think Tibbs needs to work on and it could be micro or macro, what do you think it, it would be going into next season? Assuming that the Knicks are bringing him back, which and it seems pretty clear that they are yeah yeah and they would have fired him already if they weren't bringing him back exactly yeah um leon including him in the letter was like oh wait it there's no way they're firing him it's i don't even think i honestly don't even think they i don't that report that that came out that wesley was blamed uh worldwide west was blaming um worldwide west was blaming uh uh for the for the struggles this season I think was a little bit overblown. It's clear that they never really thought about firing him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they never really thought about it. Um, I think his talent evaluation must get better. I think he needs to have someone on the staff that will push him to see past his blind spots. I think he needs someone on the staff that will push him to see how effective quickly is out there. Despite the fact that, you know, I, Tibbs loves bigger guards. That's really what it is. He loves bigger guards, right? Yeah. Loves them. Loves them. Um, but the best option was quickly, 
right? When when Rose went down, the best option was quickly. And it, it was clear. It's clear. Any other coach would have made that decision. But because he has this uh, view of what he does, it is not um, – he, he did not make that move, right? And so I think that the number one thing is he needs to get back to on evaluation. And just managing a roster that isn't structured to his exact way, right? Like last year's team was structured exactly the way he wants it. This year's team, I think, took a little bit more finesse, right? There's not one player. There was not one player this year that was dramatically better than the other players, right? Unlike last year when Randall was was right. This year, a lot of the players have the same talent level. Anyone on any given night could be the team's best player. Obi was the team best player some nights. Fournier was the team best player some nights. Uh, RJ was the team best player some nights. Quickly was. Rose was. Those those six, even Grimes one night was the team best player, right? Those six guys, Burke, so those seven guys could be the team best player on any given night. And you can add Mitch in there if you want to, right? So that's eight. So that means, as a coach, you need to figure out a way to – ride those guys when they're playing well, right? But because he has this structure, and I'm sure that Tibbs knows what he wants to do before the game even begins, right? Tibbs is a rapper who doesn't even look at the beat. He just writes his <laughs> songs and, you know, doesn't really care what the beat It's a great like. analogy. Yeah. Sounds like. yeah. You know, Tibbs is, yeah, you know, Tibbs is that type of rapper. All right, guys, we want to ask Jason what his dream offseason looks like. We get into an interesting conversation on all that, on Jalen Brunson, and a whole lot more in just a sec. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about one of our all-time favorites here at Locked on Knicks, betonline.net. They're your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. And Alex, I'm a big fan of how quickly they update their odds with new information, uh, namely of late, the injuries to Devin Booker and Chris Middleton affecting the NBA title odds. They have the Warriors as favorites at 11 to 4, the Celtics at 9 to 2, the Suns at 9 to 2, the Heat at 7 to 1, the, the Bucks at 9 to 1. To me, I, I know they have a harder path than the Warriors. I think the Celtics, it pains me to say it, I think they're easy money. They're so clearly the best team in the NBA now that Devin Booker is out. Uh, they've dominated defensively. They, I think since the 40th game of the season, they would have tied for the highest net rating in NBA history. To me, that's that, that's automatic cash. Um, Alex, I see you're, you're getting ready to vomit, so I'll, I'll continue with this ad read. Um, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts and now back. To more with Jason. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, what we're ultimately talking about is him having some flexibility, and and that's right. and and the thing is, what's tough, and like, I mean, to your point, like on why he's like he has some appeal still is because he had he gets buy in right more than anything else. Like like these guys believe in him. Like I I was listening to um like R J Barrett on J J Reddick's podcast, and he just came out and said like like he he could like obviously like mo most guys aren't going to go on a podcast and trashed our head coach, but like, he could have been, yeah, he's, he's fine. Whatever. But he's like, no, that's, that's my dude. Like you, you guys, you guys don't get it. You guys don't see how he works. And that, and like, I think at every stop he's earned respect. And I do believe 
I mean, despite us talking about again and again, like how he's sort of playing out the same issues that doomed him in Chicago and Minnesota. I like to the point of Fred's article, like he, he has changed in that. Like, I think he does really invest in the young guys and it, it, it's, it's hard to tell how much of it is lip service because he's, he's kind of tried to put out through like Mark Berman and maybe through that Fred Katz article this off season that like, yeah, I sort of regret not playing the young guys more. And you listen to like the press conference he had, after quickly an OB went off and he's talking about how proud he is of those guys and the work that they put in behind the scenes. So it's kind of easy to trick yourself into believing it'll be different next year, but it it all depends on roster composition and whether he still has those veteran options, because I think we like, it's sort of like fool me once. Like, I I think we know at this point, like he's always like, if if there's in any world where it's relatively close, he's always going to fall back on those guys. And I think even more so than Burks, like Alfred Payton was sort of the ultimate evidence of that. Because like as Stan Van Gundy had this tweet the other day, like, like Knicks fans weren't criticizing him a year ago. Like we were losing our minds about Alfred Payton yeah. playing all of last season, but it, it, they, they were winning despite it. And I, I think that's the thing. Like, like the Knicks were, I, I know I'm going all over the place here, but they were number one in defense by like a pretty decent margin post all-star break with Julius Randle off the court all year. They were far and away the best defense in the NBA. It wasn't even close. Like, and, and that's, that's buy-in that's structure because the Knicks didn't have crazy defensive talent. That, that's Tibbs being a really good coach. And, and to your point, Jason, you, you get the right guy in there that gives you just a little, like pushes him in terms of creativity um, offensively and, and says like, Hey, you, it's okay if you play Obi Toppin at the five occasionally, like, and give up a little bit defensively because the offense is going to explode in that scenario. And, and, like, guys will will ride to the ends of the earth for him, and, and if he's willing to use that to his advantage and, and have this ability to adjust game to game, and more so within games, I, I think this can still end well. Um, I don't know about you, I'm just I'm just not quite optimistic that that's going to happen. No, I'm not either. I'm not optimistic at all. In fact, I'm very cynical on it. Right. Um, this guy has been the same way throughout his career. What makes it, what makes this next year different, right? His ninth season as a head coach, right? Like, or 10th season or whatever it is as a head coach, what's going to make this season different. Um, I just don't see it. You know, I just don't see it. Like you could say that next year he'll realize his mistake this year and play them more. It, We'll see what the offseason entails. I don't think they're going to be able to trade Randall. That's just my gut. My gut says Randall's probably here next year again. Um, and he can't play worse. <laughs> so he'll probably be a little better next year. <laughs> but, yeah, but still. But still, I, I still don't think that means that Tim should be off the hook. Um nor do I think it means that he is going to change his ways just because he realized that this year um, he should have played the, the the younger kids more. I think that people fall back into their habits because their habits are more comfortable for them. That's the way it works. That's the way human nature is. So, Yeah, you could almost say Tibbs has an addictive personality for his, his veteran players. You know, he, he strives to keep going back to that well over and over because it's what's worked for him in the past. But I, I almost wonder, you know, I, I'm going to be very curious to see what's going to happen with the Knicks coaching staff this coming offseason, right? They've mm-hmm. lost some very important, you know, coaches off of their staff that were hand-selected mm-hmm. by Leon Rosen Company to come in mm-hmm. and assist Tibbs. They lost Kenny Payne, uh, who went to the college ranks, and also Mike Woodson, who went to the college ranks, to be head coaches. and. I wouldn't be surprised if Johnny Bryant takes a couple phone calls this offseason about mm-hmm. potentially moving somewhere else. And that, you know, that sort of begs the question, like, is is 
the solution here maybe just finding that right mix of coaches that Tibbs will somewhat listen to again, you know, because I did feel like there was more outside of the Peyton thing, which obviously was like Tibbs's grand blind spot of, you know, the, the last season, they played really well. And the, and the whole team played hard for him. It seemed like guys were getting coached up a lot by guys that they respected in Woodson. And, historically, and Tibbs, the players love Tibbs historically, right? Yes. Like, uh, NBA players, they're not you know, NBA players have this like uh, um, there's just like not rumor, but rather this stereotype that's attached to NBA players of like they're hard to coach and this and that. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I mean they're professionals, right? Like, Tibbs treats these guys like human beings. He treats these guys like men, you know what I mean? They'll, they treat him like men, like a man, you know what I mean? So, like, I think players historically have loved playing for him, right? Rose, I mean, and, and, and it, those guys are following him. Rose, Gibson, uh, Noah has nothing but great things to say, yeah. right? Like, really, the Butler loves, still loves Tibbs. Really, the only Wiggins actually came out. And, what, one of those biggest things was, like, I remember Wiggins had said, I love playing for Tibbs. I thought that, you know, when I played for Tibbs, like, structure was was huge for me, and, like, he was very good for me. The only guy who really doesn't like playing for, didn't like playing for Tibbs was Towns. Mm-hmm. Only guy. And I think that was more Butler. I think that was more Tibbs liking Butler and bringing Butler in than, like, Towns hating Tibbs. You know what I mean? Um, And so I'm, it doesn't surprise me that the players buy in, of course. You know what I mean? Like, they, they play hard. Um, seems like a, a, a little bit more of a uh, um, interesting personality than, than he's given credit for. But I just don't think he's, you know... Uh, going to make any adjustments. So I think because we don't have one set superstar on this team, it's not a team in which, okay, you play these guys and you're going to always, this guy's always going to be good at the end of the game. This guy's always, you know what I mean? We don't have any LeBrons on our team. We don't have any guys who are like so outstandingly consistent that they should always play at this particular time. What we have, or we have a kind of, we have kind of a herky-jerky squad, right? Like a hot and cold type of team, a streaky type of team. And so he needs to kind of – he needs to kind of figure out, figure out how to put all these guys in the same in, – in an ability to be successful in a uh, different but collective way. And I don't think he has done that, you know, so. Yeah, and, that, you know, that sort of gets back to what I was – you know, I, I wonder if there just needs to be some other hand-selected assistant coaches that just like – I mean, just like he has his players. Woody, that, Woody was probably huge. For, don't you think Woody yeah. was huge for him in his first year? Yeah, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, because Woody's always been a player's coach too, just like mm-hmm. Tibbs is, but also might have had sort of the the cachet to sort of, you know, be like a, a big enough voice in the room that – that Tibbs might actually sort of respect something to what he has to say or respect if players are saying, hey, we like what Woody's saying. Can we do this in a game? Whereas I don't necessarily get that same vibe off Johnny Bryant and stuff. Like, it just yeah. doesn't seem like I, – I can I can imagine Johnny Bryant as a guy who's very guard-focused had to have been banging the drum all year of, like, let's get quickly more minutes. I think he's got more to offer, you know. And then to see Tibbs kind of not do that until his hand was absolutely forced. So – I am going to be really curious to see what happens this coming off season as far as, you know, will Leon and 
you know, worldwide West, you know, maybe worldwide West actually was kind of unsatisfied with what Tibbs was doing this year. Will they go oh, out of their way? Was, yeah. Especially because West yeah. is a Kentucky guy. So I bet exactly. he was, but I don't think that they were ever considering firing him really. I don't think it, they were done with at least Leon wasn't, but like, yes, Leon wasn't, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. But so, so will they go out of their way again to sort of repopulate his staff with bigger name assistants that aren't Tibbs's guys that he's been rolling with for, the last decade or so, you know, his comfort zone that will sort of be opposing voices. And I wonder if maybe much like how it was in the first year where I, I do feel like Mike Woodson and Kenny Payne, especially Kenny Payne's influence on Julius Randall and all that was like a huge, huge thing. And I don't think it's coincidental that Randall's season took its final tailspin, like right after Kenny Payne left for, for Louisville. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It, be. It, and you know, if they decide to go with some some bigger name assistants like that again and, and sort of try to guide Tibbs in that way. Yeah, I mean, I I I think they have to, right? Like I mean, it, it's the definition of insanity running back. Right, yeah, it's yeah, only yeah, one yeah. way if they run it back, yeah, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean same, I mean it's we could we could be doing the same podcast about Randall. Like it, it can only end one way if, if you run it back. But I guess given that, Jason, um outside of a new coach, uh at least on my end, I'll wrap up on this. What is your what is your ideal offseason look like for the Knicks? Oof. How do y'all feel about Brunson? I, I'm conflicted. Go you guys go first. Um I'll just I mean I'll, I'll keep it brief because we've talked about him a lot lately. Oh, but really? like okay. um I I think I, you know his performances right now in the playoffs are maybe swaying me more towards going for him. I said this and some people were like, oh, it's crap, you know, because people love Derrick Rose. But my general opinion is if you're going to sign Jalen Brunson, you, you kind of have to look to move Derrick Rose if you want to invest any time in Emmanuel quickly. Because with yeah. with Brunson and Rose both on the team, quickly you'll never see the floor next year, period. I mean, that's just how it's going to – or he'll get, you know, his usual like 10, 15 minutes a game, which I think we saw this year. Like he could be capable of a lot more than that. So – I go back and forth. I really think Brunson is really talented. I think he might be making a turn as a maybe not a star, but like a a near star. And and there's also a world where I could see him turning into like Kyle Lowry. That's like a you know maybe a multi time All Star, not a guy you would ever necessarily put in your top ten or even you know fringe top twenty ish, but who's always just like really good and really consistent and gives you the same thing every single night. Um, you know, I I think there's a there's a chance he ends up that way. So uh, basically, I'm just kind of of the belief of like, as long as you don't have to pay him like thirty million dollars a year, I, I'd go after him. You know, if you if you can get him for that twenty ish million dollar a year price tag, just do it and shore it up and have him in quickly and hopefully convince Tibbs to play them both together. I, I think that's kind of where I'm at on yeah. Brunson right now. Yeah, I'll throw out another Toronto guard. I think he's more efficient, less good defensively, Fred Van Vliet, which I think the Knicks could really need. And I think he just – and look, it's an issue defensively, right? If, if you're going to play him in quickly large minutes, like, like we're talking about, like Tibbs, Tibbs isn't going for that. Like you're going to need a new coach if that's going to be your backcourt. And, and I think if it's those two there, it should be your backcourt because they're arguably going to be two of the three or four best guys on the whole team. Uh, that being said, on offense, like I, I'd be drooling to see what that looks like because we, we've discussed it quite a bit. But I think like where you see those ridiculous like on off numbers for OB and IQ, it's not just because they're both good players. Like they have this exponential effect on on each other where like I think they 
incentivize everyone else on the floor to pass the ball and their freneticism offensively, like their ability to like to pass and cut and, and just like, like OB creates openings for everyone else just by sprinting hard, both in the half court and in the full court IQ now mm-hmm. with his gravity out on the perimeter and his ability his newfound ability. Like this guy who couldn't get into the lane to basically beat anyone off the dribble. It seemed like down, the, we'll, we'll see if that carries over into starter minutes. I think Brunson as like this hyper efficient hub, and, and and that's that's what really impressed me. Like even though Utah, like at this point, not great defensive guards. Like he wasn't just getting forty; he was doing it super duper efficiently without committing a turnover either of those two games. I, I think like I, I know I was maybe maybe this is a boy who cried wolf because I thought the Knicks were going to be amazing on offense this year, but I, I think they could have a really really good offense because all three of those guys are really efficient, and you're just going to have like a completely different ecosystem for RJ Barrett to thrive. And if you bring Mitchell Robinson back or if it's Jericho Sims, you're going to have a completely different ecosystem for those guys to thrive in at center. And the thing is like, if it really doesn't work on defense, IQ is incredibly tradable. I think to Alex's point, if Brunson's making less than $25 million a year, he's tradable for a pick. Um, so I, I think you, you get the asset, you get the talent, and then you, you see if it works from there. But I, I think at least on offense, he, he's, he's a pretty great fit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd be fine with them getting him. I'd be fine with them not getting him. Um, that's kind of where I land on it. I think he's a really good player. But I also agree with you, Alex. Like, where does that leave quickly with Brunson and Rose? I don't think they'd ever want to – I don't think they'd ever trade Rose since, like, they wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, As long as Tibbs is there, for sure. As long as Tibbs is there, Rose, I think, is a Nick. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I – I debate whether they should get a point guard. If they have an opportunity to get an elite point guard, obviously do that, right? We haven't had an elite point guard since Marbury. You can and you can argue whether he was when he was a Nick. Yeah, I think he was for the first like one and a half years. Like, we just haven't had. I mean, Duham, we had a rever- Felton, Billups, like Lynn for that for that stretch, and then Felton again. Like, we just had like these like stretch of guards who aren't really that good and it's hurt us you know what i mean like it's you know like you at 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 some point you need at some point you're gonna need a someone right like at at some point you're gonna need someone at that position who's like really really good at it and brunson is probably the would be the best point guard we've had in a long time um but do you want to do you want to um, go quickly, right? Like, do you want to see what quickly can give you at, at that position? We'll see. We'll see. I, I think. I think if. I think I agree with this idea of Tibbs saying Tibbs is always like the best guy will play, right? Which this year the best people didn't play. But if you do get Brunson, and you got Rose and you got Quick, the best guy should play, right? You know what I mean? And I think. And we'll see how quick looks next year, you know, and we'll see. At this point, I do still think Quick is probably the third best guard if that's the case, right? Now, he should still probably – now, I think Fournier will probably have to go. Someone will have to go, right? Fournier books Burks would probably go, right, if they got yeah. – I think that's what probably would happen. And so that leaves a spot for Quickly, I think, a little bit more with with those guys out. I probably would pick Burks to go, Uh um because I actually, I actually, Fournier kind of actually grew on me a little bit. Um, yeah, he grew on me a little bit. So I think that would be my main thing. Um, I would love to, I would love to draft another wing. 
Um, I like RJ. I, I'll continue to support RJ. I think RJ is a good player. I think when he's attacking downhill, he's a, he can be a, a, a really tough to stop. But um, you know, he still has a lot of things to work on, right? His handle, his fluidness, or fluidity rather, um, uh, his ability to shoot off the dribble. He, there's a lot of things RJ still has to work on. Um, I would love an extension for Mitch that's fair. Um, and, and if it's not fair, to be honest, like, you know, I like Sims. I don't know if he could start, but, you know, if if, 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 if we can't get an extension with Mitch, um, I think do think we have other options. Um, I'm assuming Noel will never be healthy ever again. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's a good assumption. Not unfair. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I, I would say that. And then, and then for me – I would love to work out a trade with Randall. Not because I hate Randall. I don't think, like, not because I hate Randall, not because I blame him, only him for this season, but rather I just think that at their best ideals, Obi's a better offensive player because he can score without holding the ball and he can run down court I, I I just think I just think if Obi can get to the point where his shot is at thirty five percent, he's a better player than Randall is. And so I would trade Randall. And so that's what I would do. I would try to trade Randall. I'm fine with Brunson, and then um, you know draft another wing and then and then and then Mitch. Yeah, that's 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 where I think I'd go. And if you have an opportunity to get a star, it depends, right? If you have an opportunity to get a star, try to. Um, you know, there's rumblings. There's always, there's always rumblings, right? Like the Mitchell thing, you know, Lillard. There's always rumblings. But if you have an opportunity to get a star, do it. Um, the only problem is who are you going to put with, you know, a star, right? Like we don't have a guy you're going to put with a star. I think kind of we have a type of team now where it was similar to those like early Toronto teams um, before they got Kawhi, where it's like. We keep improving. We, we we have a lot of depth, and then later on, we can try to make a trade for somebody. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, that's as good of an offseason plan, I think, as I could come up with. Actually, very similar to what my blueprint would be, if we're being honest. Yeah. Uh, so, Jason, uh, before we wrap up here, do you want to remind everybody where to find your work online, where to find you on Twitter, and all that good stuff? Yeah, at Jason Buford, J-A-Y-S-O-N-B-U-F-O-R-D. Um, I write about hip-hop for Rolling Stone. Stereo Gum, GQ, Pitchfork, Vice. Um, and then I do Nick stuff for SB Nation. So you can find me on there. All right. Uh, thanks again, Jason. Just want, want to emphasize one more time. Just fantastically written piece. I lo- love the analogy of Alec Burks as an actor who's too scared to curse on camera. I was like, yeah, that's that's who he is. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was, it was a great read. Um, and, and yeah, and you cover a lot of stuff beyond basketball. So everyone should go check Jason out on Twitter. And that is it for this edition of the Locked on Knicks podcast. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, go on iTunes, leave a five-star review. Leave a comment on YouTube. All that stuff is extremely helpful. But until next time, he's Alex. I'm Gavin. Alongside Jason, peace out. <laughs>